You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in June 2023 edition of the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Larry State is uh, on assignment, as they say. Joe Pfeiffer is here. I'm Brett McMillan, and we are pleased to be joined by Mike Matheny, former Cardinal catcher and Cardinal manager, back here for the 2013 reunion. Mike, uh, we were saying as you sat down, you've done a lot of these, so we appreciate you doing it. And it's going to be fun just kind of to talk through some things. We like getting alumni in here, but you're the first guy I think we've ever had, Joe, that played and managed. That's kind of unique. You've seen two eras of Cardinal baseball, so this will be a good perspective for that us. That is true. We will get that perspective, so no pressure. No, no pressure. <laughs> Happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. That, uh, you know, that being said, rather than like jumping into baseball on the field, I know you're passionate about leadership. I had somebody tell me once that leaders are paid to have tough conversations. And in the roles that you fulfilled, I have to imagine that was true as a manager for sure. But even as a catcher, to walk out there, one of your guys over at the, across the street at the reunion was saying one of the things that set Yachty apart is he could come out after a guy warmed up and said, you don't have your cutter today, so we're not going to throw it. And that, that's a tough conversation. Um, how did you kind of develop that skill in those two roles of being able to say tough things to help people be better in the ways they need to be better? I certainly believe um, the catching position, and there's it's not a coincidence that there's so many managers who have been catchers, and mostly uh, as I try to define it or exp- give my explanation to people, um, most of the positions on the field can just take care of their three-foot circle that they're standing in, and this is my space. I take care of me. I do my part. A, a good catcher doesn't have that privilege that they need to constantly be aware as mr dave ricketts always would tell me um, your only job is to make sure that guy standing on the mound out there looks really good all day long and that's your your number one priority and but after that you have to have your radar up you have to have a sense of what's going on with your bullpen positioning on the infield even positioning in the outfield i loved working with jim edmonds Uh, after i gave a sign he would look in and ask for a little hint in a big situation which way do you think this ball is going to go and just that awareness uh, of of everything outside of yourself uh, i believe almost predisposes a catcher to being able to understand some of the demands of what goes on in the dugout. Um, I don't think you're fully aware until you sit in that seat to realize uh, how much is going on and how much you're responsible for, but a catcher who's wired the right way certainly has has a leg up in that that area. With a five-man rotation, how how challenging is it then to build that trust with five different guys? I mean, in the course of the season, it's not five different guys with injuries and call-ups and we have a six-man rotation going right now but to build that trust individually with those different personalities yeah any relationship we would talk about um, and especially when you start talking about leadership the foundations trust and uh, it it is something that once again uh, I was fortunate that I was 
predominantly a catcher from the age of 10 and mm. saw the uh, the influence that which that's what leadership is leadership is influence um, and you don't have leadership if you don't have followership and so how can you find a way to communicate with people to make them better which is essentially what a coach does um, but a catching someone who takes a lot of pride in the psychology of that is okay how does this guy need uh, me to treat him we had some stories here even last night on the after a show with Ricky and uh, Mike Claiborne talking about Matt Morris and I tumbling around in the dugout <laughs> after an inning. But he loved that stuff. I, I didn't necessarily like it, but um, he loved the confrontation. He loved being challenged. And there's some other guys, and I could give you a long list, that my job was to go out and tell them how good they looked that day, that you look really nice, so keep pitching really well. And I had to pat them on the back, the constantly giving them the positive affirmations. Uh, it's just kind of understanding how each guy's wired. And the, the thing about this that I don't understand, and I've told catchers this forever, is that it's not a secret what these guys want. Ask them, what makes you good? Tell me the best catcher you've ever had. Tell me who's connected with you best, and, and how did they do that? And if you sit there and take any kind of notes, and I imagine we could probably do this with just about anybody in our lives if, if we take enough time to truly listen without thinking of what it is that we're going to come back and say to show how smart we are. If we can listen to hear what they want, a lot of times we just follow their lead and give them what they ask for. Followership. That was an interesting word. And maybe what you just said is might the not be to this a word. <laughs> <laughs> I like it though. I mean, and we, we, in our culture a lot, we don't talk about that, mm -hmm. but it does take followers to have a leader. And leadership isn't really, in my opinion, it's not uh, leveraging people, it's just example setting. How do you build in a major league clubhouse, though, a followership culture? Because there's a lot of money in the sport. I mean, they earn it, but there's a lot of money. There's everybody, all 25, now 26 guys, were the best on their high school, college, et cetera, team. How do you build that out and get guys to buy into that? Well, first of all, people are, are going to follow what they see. Leadership's, uh, I've heard it say, it's caught more than it's taught. Uh, so inside that clubhouse, and that's one of the beautiful things about the clubhouse culture, you're not going to hide the truth. They're, they're going to see it sooner or later because we're together so much. Mm -hmm. You could get out and get on a pedestal and go preach, do whatever it is that you do. Um, but when you walk in that room day after day through a lot of failure, which is just synonymous with the game of baseball, uh, you're going to expose your true colors. And so uh, that's always one of the greatest challenges that, that I loved about the game is, man, how can I go through these ups and downs and try and stay consistent with who I say that I am and what it is that I say that I want to do. But really, I think the words have very little. I think it's just the actions of showing up and, and, and then what's your why? Uh, is your why all about you or is your why about us? Is your why about the team or is it about your own statistics? And that's really hard um, because our game is modeled, the financial model is all about individual statistics. It's not about collective wins um, when you're talking about players. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, something that, that's hard uh, message to, to pass on because you have constantly people in the player's ear saying, no, man, you just go, you go do your thing and you're going to get paid. But in the meanwhile, uh, I, I've been able to be a part of enough teams to just believe this is so true that when you can get outside of that and get outside the natural thing we have in our DNA that says you better take care of number one. But once you get past that and you start realizing that if my why is a little bit bigger uh, and it's about the people around me, then all of a sudden there's less uh, 
pressure put on me. I almost have a freedom because it's not about me and, and, and what I have to do. It's what can I do for the people around me. I love the um, people in the Special Forces and in our military folks. And you go ask every one of them, what's your why? And especially the ones at the highest level. Yeah, they, it's God and country, but it's the guy next to me. Mm-hmm. And, and there's plenty of data that's going to support when you can get your head and your and your and your almost kind of how you're wired that this is not about me but it's about we everybody all the boats rise and that's the stuff that exciting to try and build and and you talk about how to do that inside a clubhouse you need some guys that one um maybe they're wired that way and and you just maximize that and there's some others that you just try to build and in a clubhouse for championship club you better have a guy like that that's a starting pitcher. You better have a guy like that that's in your bullpen. You better have a guy like that that's in your everyday lineup. Uh, you're going to need a guy like that that's a bench player. And and in the culture where we have almost 30% Latin Americans, you're going to need a, a guy that speaks the Spanish language and un- understands the Latin culture. If you've got guys, hmm. if you've got five of those, get out of the way because you're going to multiply the talent that you have. Well, and we, my goodness, have we been blessed with a, a guy like that behind the plate. Really, when you look back in Cardinals history – um, post 1987 when Tom Pagnazzi took over our, as our main catcher in a mainstay, then Mike Matheny, and then Yadier Molina. You look at 1988 through 2022, the Cardinals have had very little turnover at that position. That's look league-wide. That's unheard of. And that speaks to stability. It also speaks to your legacy. I know you're not a, an individualistic. I, I, you don't get your identity by what you did or what you're doing. There's greater cause in your life and I know that and anybody that knows you knows that but we talked yesterday about and it kind of caught you off guard when I said welcome back to the Cardinals family and and Mike said well I didn't know I wasn't part of it I said I said but I did say you know one of the significant things that we have to do on the alumni side is welcome back because the reality is there aren't too many Derek Jeter stories anymore where one guy's with an organization the entire time whether that's as a player or as a staff member or as a manager but once a cardinal, always a cardinal, and um, I hope you know that. And um, but just want to get your feeling being back in St. Louis this weekend with your team. I mean, you think about that. We, we've won 19 NL pennants. That's a big number in the National League, but in the scope of 100 plus years of Cardinals baseball, it's only 19. And you were the manager for one of those teams. How special is this weekend? Incredible uh, accomplishment by that group. Um, you know, as I go back, and, and I got I got to be honest, Joe, I haven't gone back and watched a, a lot of the games. You know, this is still I've been still active here in, until about six months ago, and um, it w- there will come a time where I'll probably rewatch almost all of that thirteen season, um, just looking at the names and how how uh, impressed I am with with what the guys were able to do. But how I uh, really thought of my job it's how can I create an environment where these guys shine and I look at some of the things just even some of the guys that are here now and we don't even have basically our starting lineup here mm-hmm. but even the, the guys that did so much on on the on the periphery and different roles um, and watching the things that they were going through in their personal life as well as what they were trying to do as professional on a major league baseball field so much of that I, I always tell people I believe managing in the, in the major leagues is about 10% baseball, and it's 90% people. Mm-hmm. And to watch some of these guys and how they're they're finding their rhythm after baseball, because you're going to be a, 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 
an after player a whole lot longer than active. And so what, what are you going to do? How are you going to use this for good and for your family? And, and how are you growing as an individual? And just seeing some, some guys that I know, um, not necessarily anything that I did, but what we did as a group help define who they they are as men as well as just players but then when you can do all that and you're you're putting out fires and you're trying to solve problems but in the meanwhile you go out and do some incredible things and and being uh the top team in the national league and going to the world series that's the stuff that we dreamt about when we grabbed a wiffle ball bat for the first time you're sitting up there playing and you're starting to starting to put it into to, to context, okay, I'm in the World Series and it's this game and we're playing against this team. You dream about that and then how am I gonna compete when we get to the big big stage and the lights turn really bright? Will I be able to then do my thing and watch guys do that? I had the opportunity as a player to do it in this city. I just don't know of a better place to experience October baseball and I can't say that I spent a lot of time in New York or in LA, but this city just gets ate up with baseball in October and it was such a cool environment to play in and to be a part of and to do that as a player and then to do that on the biggest stage as a manager you know those are, are two things uh, that I'm extremely proud of but mostly it's about how I watched these guys come together uh, overcome a bunch of stuff that really never got outside of that clubhouse because it needed to stay in there and for us to just kind of help guide them and encourage them and to teach them and to coach them. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. October is a pressure cooker, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you're right. It's it's different in general. It's different in this city. For <laughs> you, did you feel like you had more or less control when you were playing versus managing? I mean, I would I think it would be nerve-wracking as a manager because you're not putting your hands on the ball and throwing it back to the pitcher. You're not getting an at-bat, but you are making up the lineup. So for you, what, just what was that kind of cognitive dissonance like between the two? Yeah, and I, I don't know if I ever looked at it as control. Certainly as a player, um, Tony La Russa had things under control. And, <laughs> and, and, and if, if he didn't, he was going to figure out how to. Um, I still am amazed, especially after being in that seat, watching how Tony managed, because we managed completely uh, in a different fashion, um, how much he had his fingers all over everything that was going on. There's probably not another manager in the game and hasn't for a while that manages the way that he does. Um, you have to be extremely talented to do that. You know, I jumped into this gig uh, completely over my skis, and I was uh, drinking from a fire hose the day I took the job. And I was fortunate to be surrounded by some really good coaches. And, and really, um, even after I had years and a lot of games under my belt, I loved uh, kind of going about it that way and the fact that uh, there are people that are – specialists in what they do and there's just so much fun bringing in some guys and putting some of that pressure on them I think they crave it all right this is your responsibility you take that this is yours take some ownership to it and, and, and be excellent about it and then giving them the freedom to go and I, I just believe that uh, the more people you can bring in the more talented people 
once again with the same common why. Um, and then they've, they've got some buy-in. And when we do accomplish things, when we did accomplish things, um, man, the, you could just see them puff their chest realizing, you know what, I, I wasn't just a guy that's standing out there holding batting gloves for a guy after he gets his single. I have responsibility. And, and then to watch them continue to grow and make people better, it just keeps this thing evolving. Um, I'm always been, and I hope I always am, just uh, enthralled with people with a growth mindset. And people, I, I, I'm, I'm drawn to them. People, I don't care what their age is. I think about Mr. George Kissel. Mm. Probably exemplified this better than anybody I've ever seen. He was in his 80s the first time that we met. And he just sat down next to me and asked question after question. And I'm thinking, is he, is this a pass-fail course I'm taking right now? <laughs> or what's going He was trying to learn from some very average player that had been released twice by two bad teams. He thought he could learn something from them. And I'm like, wow, man, what a, that's amazing. It, the, the smartest guy in the, baseball intelligence-wise, the smartest guy in the room is the one that's asking the most questions. And you wonder why a guy like him is just kind of held to this superhero status in this organization, helping develop the Cardinal way. There's a, there's a tie there, and that tie is that it just kept learning. That's a countercultural mindset right there. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, that's one of the things I love about this organization. Biased, obviously, because uh, <laughs> I work for them. But I, I think that people like Mr. Kissel, who I never had the pleasure to meet, but there's always been someone like that, right? And you can't boil Cardinal baseball down to one person, but that is a culture. It is a mindset of kind of that organizational, institutional memory. And you think about him. I mean, he was, was sitting down with Ted Simmons in the late 60s, talking to him when he was a high school kid out of Detroit, sitting there however many years, decades later with you, just all the knowledge he had that he shared, but even all the stuff that was in his mind that maybe he, he didn't share in any given conversation. I mean, that sets apart any organization. And there are other great ones in the, the game. I'm not trying to disparage, but that's something that I've always felt really special about what happens here. Very unique. And I do think that um, it's a challenging time uh, for Cardinal baseball. Um, Going back to the first days uh, that I walked in to spring training in 2000, and um, you see somebody named Usual. Hmm. You see somebody named Gibson. You see somebody named Brock and Shane East. And, and you go down the list with Whitey and uh, Bruce, and they were all there, and they were all in the uniform um, as walking, living, breathing ambassadors to the sport. Yeah. and. You know how sad it is for us right now as one of the greatest generations of, of baseball players with having red around here every single day and uh, what that i remember after already being in a couple of organizations walking in and like no this is like these guys are in this isn't about baseball this, this cardinal thing is a bigger deal and a lot of it had to do, and, and yeah, we we got Whitey, uh, we got we got Ozzy, and these guys are, are also great ambassadors. But yeah. unfortunately, that number has shrunk mm -hmm. considerably. And part of the mystique and part of the the special nature of this game has been in the history, and those who who've been great voices to pass on uh, some of the stories. But more importantly than anything else, is this is what it looks like. This is this is why this is different because. It is different here, and I believe a lot of that has been passed down over the generations, and it's a, it's a great challenge for the group moving forward. Well, you see it too, Joe, because even, even guys who kind of had a bit role on a team, when mm -hmm. they come back for a reunion or come back for a Bud Bash or whatnot, yeah. they've got stories about red 
or Mr. Kissel or somebody, Tony, you know, throughout the history. And it's again, it's just neat to see it woven into some of those big Cooperstown names, but also the guys who played a very specific role, like you were talking about earlier. I mean, fingerprints from those key individuals are all over people in the annals of Cardinal history. And it needs to be. I mean, uh, to Mike's point, there are so many uh, men that have, have come through this this organization and uh, David Fries talks about how Ozzy was his idol growing up as a kid here in St. Louis and then to have Ozzy with him in spring training and, and what that meant to him he, I mean um, there's an emotional side there there's an intellectual side there um, but but you're right I mean I even had that conversation in our last Hall of Fame weekend with Scott Rowland and Chris Carpenter I said guys this is your opportunity to pass this on and, and step into these roles mm-hmm. as Cardinals Hall of Famers and now with Scott going into Cooperstown in July, which is phenomenal. But they have an opportunity to, to, to be our next uh, Gibby and Lou and Red uh, on behalf. And, and Ozzy's the face of our Cardinals Hall of Fame right now, and he does an amazing job as our lead ambassador and the fact that he still lives in St. Louis and engages our fan base at such a high level. But the reality is, and I told Bo, I've told Bo Hart this and Brendan Ryan last year as he became more involved now as a Cardinals alumni, once a Cardinal, always a Cardinal. We're here for you. Uh, however much you want to be engaged, we'll be here. We've got the most uh, engaged alumni base in all of Major League Baseball, and this guy was a huge part of it before he became our manager, and uh, thrilled that he'll be a big part of it moving forward. Well, a part of the challenge is going to have um, local guys. I, I was amazed when I came here as a player in Milwaukee's organization um, and was introduced by Joe McGrain to uh, Maryville University on, mm-hmm. on, on every weekday morning. Um, that's where they show up. And it's just you know nice school. But I didn't expect there was six Hall of Famers and there was all-stars in there, and, and they, they were all in here local, and they stayed local. And that was always um, something that stood out to me. And, and I think that you continue to see, even in the other alumni, a strong alumni with the Blues, and how they stay involved and how they keep giving back uh, to the community and, and using that opportunity. That's why big part of why we're seeing so many of those players in the NHL right now, some of those young players who are growing up locally. Right. And uh, and it's a, it's, it is going to be hard shoes to fill, but we, you have the shoes. You talk about Carp. I don't think I've ever seen a better ace on a staff than Chris Carpenter. Uh, you talk about Scott Rowland, and, and we haven't even brought up number five or number four. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about two guys that are going to go down as one of the greatest that have ever played their position or played the game. Um, Big shoes to fill as we're standing here looking at a, a, a picture of Mr. Stan Musial, who always will hold a, a very special place in, in my mind of what a, a pro looks like and how you should go about um, being, uh, um, filling that that icon. I, I love sharing that story with guys who have that ability to be a superstar player. That's how you do it. Um, you go out and, and, and you figure out how to have enough humility to realize, man, this was a gift for us to be able to play this game at this level and to have the attention, to have all the benefits that came, yeah, it, it always doesn't end well. Um, there, there might be some, some animosity at some particular point, um, but we've been all blessed beyond what we deserve and, and go and give back and figure out a way to leave this game just with your little piece better than, than when we found it. There's another guy we haven't spoken about, and he's in his final season as a Cardinal, and he'll have a red jacket in a, in a four years down the road and he from my perspective has exemplified what a cardinal is both on and off the field uh, and that's adam wainwright what does adam mean to you yeah just uh 
first class. Uh, I was fortunate as soon as uh, we traded uh, traded him over. Uh, he came over as a young player, and Dave Duncan, uh, Duncan asked if I'd go catch a bullpen. And uh, I actually wasn't excited about it because I knew I had a day full of bullpens ahead. But uh, this was an early one, and the cameras were out. And I'm like, oh, what are we doing here? And then I caught a couple pitches. I'm like, OK, I see. I see why we're doing this. And um, to be able to look back now and to have Adam uh, follow what Carp did and to take over. So as a young manager coming in, I told you those different cogs you needed. That pitcher, that, that starting pitcher who, who would lay the foundation of this is what it looks like. Mm -hmm. This is how we're going to go our business and, and then hold them accountable, which is the next biggest piece. Is he, and he's doing it in there every day by how he's going about his business. One, how he's competing, but two, how he's living his life. Three, how he's preparing and, and competing. And all of those things, I believe, just breeds greatness to keep being passed down down the line and Adam has been able to do it in a, in a way that not many people can one in one organization and the other part of that is is what he does uh, off the field as well as what he does on and I know people maybe they, they don't spend a lot of time thinking about that sort of thing but when you start thinking about your why um, meeting here with this 2013 team it's all about okay what was it all for was it just about getting one ring or, or or, or, or is my existence a little bit bigger than that? And how am I using these experiences now to make a difference in our world? And Adam has probably done that as well as any active player I've ever seen. You've got, I want to get to this before we wrap up, but you've got a new book coming out. Uh, people are probably familiar with the Matheny Manifesto and your thoughts just on growing up kids to be athletes, but also uh, to be good people and making sure that you kind of stay in a lane where both those things can happen congruently. What's the new book and is it the same subject matter? I heard there's kind of some neat tech in it too. <laughs> yeah. So first of all, I still hate that name of the book and that was never my idea. And the publisher wouldn't let us escape it because it hit, uh, it hit, oh. it hit the internet and, um, people kind of recognized it, but the book has done really well. And I had a guy less than two weeks ago who went out of his way to find me to say that, um, after he read it, it radically changed the way he was kind of the crazy dad and just they felt like they just needed to keep pushing the craziness a little further and it was starting to fracture the relationship with his kids and to me getting one story like that makes it worth it and, and the, the purpose was just trying to redefine what success looks like at the youth sports level um, had no intention of writing one book um, but we had such great feedback on the first one but we also had feedback that okay you, you told us there's a problem we buy in, but you've kind of left us hanging mm -hmm. here with anything to follow up. And so basically, um, jump back in with uh, Jerry Jenkins, who's an incredible writer. Um, he is so overqualified to do work with me, but he's chosen to anyhow. Uh, his son, Dallas, actually uh, is the creator and producer of The Chosen, which is a, uh, a series on, on uh, it's, it's actually backed and based and, and funded by uh, watchers, but it, just a very creative family. And, and Jerry decided to jump in. Random House took the project, and we're just trying to help what we call as a dad coach, the guy who draws a short straw and all of a sudden is uh, coaching a, a 6- to 12-year-old uh, team and, and just trying to give them some resources. So over the years, we've had all these character studies saved up, um, but also I, I decided I want to jump in and use some of the resources that we have, the, the connections. So I went through my phone and, <laughs> and uh, all my contacts, and I'm like, you know what? These guys have something to bring, and most are retired players. And just, hey, man, just shoot me a, a quick video on 
on a hitting drill, the one that you used with your son that you feel was the most impactful? Or talk to me about when, when you're talking to your own group of kids that you're coaching about pitching. Give us just a short little, little takeaway that somebody might be able to help a kid with. Once again, with the goal not necessarily raising full-ride scholarship athletes or major leaguers, but let's just make the baseball experience as good as we can possibly make it. Take some guys who might not have a lot of baseball experience, but are now in that spot as a coach. Let's, let's help arm them and give them some tools. And so we'll have some QR codes that you can go through and get a quick uh, shot of first and third defenses or mm. double steals, cutoffs and relays and bunt defenses. And, and uh, let's talk about a little bit of game planning on pitching. Just very simplified version. Um, but I think it's going to, to speak to some, some people. And the best part about it, um, proceeds from this book are, are going to go towards the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, but also Go Ministries uh, down in the Dominican Republic, which is helping to raise uh, young baseball players and athletes, but also teach them life skills. So we've got a lot of good angles with this thing. So we're excited about the good that it might do. That's awesome. That's I, incredible. I, I think that's awesome, too, just – for those of us who never had had shots really of the major leagues, to hear from somebody, hey, it's okay to just get everything out of the game that you can get out of it, and know that it's maybe not going to lead to you know the field at an SEC school or out here at right. Bush Stadium, but <laughs> yeah. there's a lot to glean from this mm-hmm. game in your life while you have the ability to play it. So I think that that's a really cool message. And yeah. a release date on the book or a title yet? Or it's called the Dad Coach, and it'll be released uh, next spring. Excellent. That's incredible. That's awesome. Great stuff. Well, Joe, thanks to you for putting the reunion together. Uh, it's always awesome. You guys always do a great job. It was fun to see all the guys. And, Mike, we appreciate your time sitting down and doing this. And hope you've enjoyed being back in St. Louis. I know the fans have enjoyed seeing you, and it's good to have you around. Yeah, it's a great place, and uh, happy to be back. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. For, for Joe you, and Mike, I'm Brett. If you want to check out our past episodes, be sure to do so on YouTube or anywhere that you get your podcasts. We'll check you out again on July 1st for the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.